Well, good morning. I want to say hello to everybody. Welcome online to everybody that's watching online. And I just want to give you kind of what I'm talking to right now uh, before I get into the message. Uh, there's about 10 people in this room and four of them aren't live. I had set up uh, The Rock, Wonder Woman, Elf, and Harry Potter where I could speak to and focus. So it's a little bit weird for me. And, uh, but I'm excited to give the message that I have for you. And here's really the goal. The goal today is to give you some perspective and some peace and some truth straight from Jesus. And uh, I think if we sit back and listen, that will gain quite a bit in the next uh, 35 or so minutes. I want to show you a couple pictures that uh, were from this week. Herc went around, and we, had, because of your generosity, we had some funds we were able to give to uh, the pregnancy help centers and to two of our food pantries in the area. So we've been distributing those funds. So here's just two photos real fast, if you can look on the screen. This is, I believe, the Arnold Food Pantry, and we wrote them a nice big check on your behalf to tell them that we're supporting what they're doing at this time of need for everybody. We're able to step in. That's what the church does. That's what people do. The next photo, if you show it, that's at the Pregnancy Help Center to help people that are going through uh, their pregnancies right now and people that have had their uh, children that are up to age two. They give free diapers and formulas, so we wanted to support them during this time period. And all in total, we're going to give out over $25,000. And I just wanted to say thank you. For those of you that, the six or seven people that are here, why don't you give them a round of applause if you can for the, uh, yeah, (laughs) overwhelming, right. Well, here's a uh, kind of a joke story I read this week that was uh, on the internet. And uh, I thought this is appropriate to start off this message. Uh, This guy went into Costco and he was hunting for hand sanitizers and, uh, as he goes to the section, he realizes there's no hand sanitizers in that section at all, but there's a, a man standing there with a cart, and it's totally full of hand sanitizers. And uh, this guy, as he's thinking about it, is getting madder and madder. He's saying, this is just ridiculous. He said, here, people need hand sanitizers right now, and this guy's hoarding all these hand sanitizers. And he said, we shouldn't be doing that. We should be generous. So he's looking at the empty shelves and looking at this guy, and finally he says, I, I just can't take it anymore. So he, 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 he lets into the guy. He starts telling him, he says, this is ridiculous. You hoard all these hand sanitizers. He says, what's the matter with you? People need this. He said, you should put every one of those back. You don't need all those. This is just, it's just unconscionable what you're doing. The guy finally in patience looks at him and says, well, sir. He says, are you done? And he says, yeah, I'm done. You know how I feel. And he goes, well, could you please move out of my way where I could restock the shelves? I work here. Now, <laughs> Josh, Josh is laughing. I don't, know if, I don't know if you're laughing at home, but I thought that was a good one. Here's the point. At this time period, we can get into time periods where we read something into something that's really not there. We imagine sometimes the worst. We can't imagine uh, the best. We can only imagine the worst during this time period. The situation we say to ourselves, it's not what it seems. In fact, it's worse. And, and that may be true. It may not be true. But that's how our imagination runs. You miss the positive because you're only looking for the negative. Here, this guy in that Costco situation was getting ready to restock the shelves. He missed the whole positive and try to turn it into a negative. You respond totally wrong because you imagine things that are untrue before the facts are in. That's what can happen. And especially during this time period, this coronavirus, where things change daily. We read into so many things that uh, cause what I believe is what we're gonna talk about today, worry. Today's message is titled, How to Win Over Worry. So just by a show of hands in this room and at home, how many of you guys wanna win over worry? All seven of you want to win over worry. That's, that's great. And at home, I think it's the same way. I want to win over worry. So I'm going to try and make a case about worry. I'm going to then come back to Jesus, who has some very 
a straightforward, impassioned things to say about it, but only over three paragraphs. He only spends three paragraphs talking about worry. But there's so much richness in those three paragraphs that I think if we apply it, we can win in this battle over worry. So here's some things about worry. Five things about worry that we have. One, it damages your health, physically and emotionally. If you worry, it damages your health, physically and emotionally. Two, it consumes your thoughts. Worry consumes your thoughts. If you're worrying about something, you think about it so much that it's just consuming. You can't see, you don't even know what day it is half the time because you're consumed about it, or you miss birthdays because of it, or you miss celebrations because of it. Worry consumes your thoughts. The third thing is, it disrupts productivity. If you're a worrier, you produce less. If you're worrying about something, it normally immobilizes you. Fourth thing is, it negatively affects how you treat others. People that I've been around, the times I've been around worry, the times I've worried, it's not been good for those around me. It's not a positive for them in any way, shape, or form. The fifth thing is, it reduces your ability to trust in God. It reduces your ability to trust in God. You really, uh, if you worry, you're, you're putting so much emphasis on the problem, not enough emphasis on the solution or in trust in God. And it does that. And the last thing is, it spreads to those around you. I would encourage a lot of you that have children to watch your worry factor. If, you, if you're not going to win over it, to watch it. And be careful about being worry, worrisome around children and so forth. It infects other people. Here's my, I'm trying to think back about my first time when I worried, when I knew I was worrying. And I can almost pinpoint it. It was in third grade, I was about eight years old, and we had just moved from Indiana to Missouri. And we just had the, our, the, the home that we'd moved into, there was a big window in the bedroom. And in that bedroom, I was sharing that bedroom with my older brother, Steve. He's a year and a half older than I was. So here's this big window, and we have two beds. And I had to make sure that Steve's bed was near the window, and my bed wasn't, because I was worrying about a robber or somebody coming through that, those doors. Uh, to get me. That's what I thought about. And I know this doesn't sound um, brave or anything, but I thought, you know what? If Steve's there, at best, he could fight the robber. Now, that's an eight-year-old mind. At best, he could fight the, the robber. And at worst, I was thinking, at worst, they'll get Steve and they won't get me. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What we, get. we just heard a thud, but I guess that was part of the uh, thought of it. But anyway, here's the point. That's what I was worried about. And I'd go to bed and I, would, I remember thinking about this over and over. When I went in the bedroom, Steve, are you in bed? Steve, are you okay? Steve, are you here? And uh, that went on for, I don't know how long it went on. Maybe until I just finally started to realize it wasn't anything to worry about. And I want to make this statement too, where you can get this out. Worry is not the same thing as fear. They're close, they're close brothers, and, and certainly fear can turn to worry, but they're not the same thing. And... Uh, Fear can be a good thing for you. Fear can actually cause you to not do some things. Fear can, can cause you to make some good decisions. Uh, and just to make this statement, to get, have you understand that, I'm afraid of the fire that's in my fireplace. I am. I mean, if I stick my hand in it, I'm afraid of it. But I'm not worried about it. I mean, it stays in the fireplace. I'm, I'm afraid of it, but I don't worry about it. So it's, it's not like that. That's what fear can do. Good fear can help you. But bad fear uh, leads to worry, and worry is never good. Fear can prevent problems. Worry can only cause problems. I'll give you another statement. 
Uh, I'm afraid of high ropes courses. I'm afraid of high ropes courses. And some of you know where I'm going with this. I was on a high ropes course, I don't know, probably seven or eight years ago, I guess it was, maybe longer. And on this high ropes course, uh, uh, when I got up there, I realized I was afraid. But here's just a photo. You can just laugh. This is going to give you something to look at. Here's about a 30-second or 40-second video you can turn to and watch. This was me on the high ropes course uh, uh, quite a few years ago. Here you go. had a good laugh at my expense. I, I, again, can I just make the statement? I'm not worried about that. Now, I am afraid of the high ropes course. I don't really want to go up there and go through that again, but it doesn't keep, it doesn't move into worry. Fear, I just want to say this again where you get it. We should be afraid of the coronavirus. We should be. It's something to fear. It is, but it's nothing to worry about. And hopefully, when you see what Jesus says about it, you'll understand what his perspective would be. I think if Jesus walked through the doors, he says, of course the coronavirus is something we should be fearful of. It can do great damage, but it's not something we should worry about. And he's going to tell us why that is so important. Uh, worry can prevent you from finding peace, joy, and hope in every circumstance. God does not want us to worry, and we don't have to. Jesus addressed this in a talk he gave at a mountainside to thousands of people 2,000 years ago. So that's where I want to bring you. Jesus has been talking, they believe now, for a couple days. Or at least they think this is a two-day talk. And towards the end of it, he's talking about every topic he can. And thousands of people throughout the region had gathered to watch him speak. And uh, Matthew recorded his words. And what Jesus said about worry was very straightforward, very easy to understand. This is not something that's going to take us long. In fact, the rest of this message is only about 15 minutes or so. But if you can hone in on what he said, if you can learn to apply a couple of his principles, I can promise you that worry won't be part of your world. I want to say this in a way that hopefully will bring hope to many of you. I've really not worried about this whole thing because of this teaching. I've applied this. I've learned to apply this a long time ago. I'm not a person that leads, that has many worries. Now, there's some things that I fear. But they don't lead to worry, an unhealthy worry, a worry that impacts me and those around me. And I think that's what God would want me to say for all of you today. And I think that's what he'd want if he walked through the door right here. So here's the words that he started off with. And I'm going to break it down as we go through it. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 24. Here's the words of Jesus. Matthew 6, 24. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, just stop right there before I finish reading it. So he's making this statement, speaking to thousands of people. He says, you can't serve two masters. In other words, if one boss is over here telling you to do this, another boss is over here telling you to do this, and you say, yes, yes, and they contradict one another, you'll eventually lean towards the one and not like the other. That's basically what he's saying. 
A very easy understanding. You can't serve two masters. One tells you something, the other tells you something, and you'll eventually say, I love this one, but I don't like this one. If you've ever had in a business where there's been two bosses, you understand that principle. You can't serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one or you'll love the other, or you'll be devoted, which means you'll pay attention to, you'll give your thoughts to, you'll give to that one, and you despise the other. So Jesus is saying, there's a simple deal here. If there's two masters and you're going to be devoted to one of them, meaning you're going to think of them all the time, you're going to wonder what they say, what they do, you're going to follow what they say, you're going to be part of that community, that's going to resonate with your heart. He says you'll be devoted to one and the other you despise. So then he goes on and speaks to everybody at this time period. And then he says this, you cannot serve both God and money. Now this is not a money talk. This is really a devotion talk. And what Jesus is saying here, the two masters are money and God. And all the people that were here that wanted to hear about Jesus, I believe a lot of them had known the things that Jesus had done. And I believe a lot of the people there for only one reason, to enrich themselves. To find a way to be around the one that could become the king or the one that could heal them or help them. So Jesus makes a straightforward statement. He says, you can't serve both God and money because see, money's telling you this. Hoard it. Keep it to yourself. Use it for your own selfish purposes. And then God's telling you something else. And you'll either hate the one or love the other. That's why when you talk to people about going to church, a lot of them say, all they want is your money. And I can tell you this from the bottom of my heart. The only thing that God wants from you is your heart. He could care less about your wallet. If he gets your heart, then he gets your devotion. And then it goes from there. He never has come worrying about your money. So if that's, if that's the statement, then I've often found people that make that kind of a statement that they are devoted to their money and they just haven't yet figured out how to be devoted to God more. And that's, so he makes that statement. He starts off. He says, focus your devotion. Your devotion, what you're devoted to, your devotion will impact your emotion. And now here's just a quick example. Not to push on this, but your 401k has probably gone down quite a bit. How's that your emotion with it? Is your devotion to that make it where you think the sky's falling in? Or is your devotion to God where you say, it'll be all right. He's going to take care of everything in the end. Your devotion will determine your emotion. Think about money. That's what they were worried about. And I, that's, I think that's why Jesus spoke about it right away. So he goes on in Matthew 6, 25 through 26, after he makes this devotion statement. Can't serve two masters, devoted to one, the other. And he makes this statement. Therefore, which connects the first sentence. He goes back to uh, connecting the first sentence, which obviously is you can't serve two masters. You'd be devoted to one. Then he says, therefore, since you can't serve two masters, therefore I tell you, and then he says this, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So he makes a statement. And a statement is, quit worrying about your life. And now what they would have worried about at all times was what they eat, drink, or wear, because that was a common thing at that time period. You, you don't have refrigerators, you don't have places to store stuff, so you constantly have to daily get those provisions. Your food, your water, and, I didn't, and they didn't have a whole lot of clothing. So he's saying, he says, isn't life more than just those things? And then he gives a key phrase to today. This is the key teaching. If you're at home and you're getting coffee right now, put it down, pay attention to this, because this is the one that keeps me from worrying 
and always has. It's this phrase. He says, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So he makes a basic statement. Can't serve two masters. You'll be devoted to one and not to the other. He, he gives it a parallel at that time between God and money. Then he comes back and he says, quit worrying about your life. And then, he, then Jesus says the things that we worry about. He's, he's nailing them right on. Then he makes this statement. I want you to understand something. There is one that considers you more valuable than the birds of the air. Now, do you believe that? And I'm going to ask you that statement now. In this room, do you believe you're more valuable than the birds of the air, the sparrows? Do you believe that? I mean, do you believe that at home? Could you say to God, God, I know I'm more valuable than the birds of the air. I mean, God said that we're made in his image. God said we're worth so much that he did send Jesus for us to live, to die, and to be resurrected. For God so loved the world. Jesus asked again. He says, the Father feeds the birds, he takes care of them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now, can I make this statement? I looked up online, and you know, they think there's about 9 billion birds in the United States. 9 billion. And I never see food jumping up and being thrown up into the nest. They have to do something. But when they take a step, it seems like God directs it. And he honors that. You know, and I'm trying to think, I've been around a long time on this earth now, and I can, I can count on, on one hand the amount of dead birds that I've seen that have just died. I mean, there's so many of them, you'd think you'd see more of them, but you just don't. And it's strange in that the fact that I know that God takes care of them. How do they have the food for this many people? My wife feeds birds all the time, but so do many other people, and maybe God's directing the birds there. Here's the point. Jesus is making a straightforward statement. He says, when you start to worry, look up in the air, find a bird. How much more valuable are you than them? Don't worry about your 401k, your job, toilet paper, spring break vacation, your health. Jesus says, trust God. He knows what you need. He understands what you're fearful of. He understands those things. He understands retirement, education, marriages, and, and hospital visits. He understands all those things. He's fully aware of them. And yet Jesus says, here's the practical point. As he's speaking to thousands of people, as birds were probably flying overhead, you're much more valuable than they, and God takes care of them. How much more will he take care of you if you trust in him? And at times, we start to worry, and it puts God out of the picture. That's why worry is such a killer. It is not good. It is a terrible thing. Just say to yourself right now, I am more valuable than the birds of the air. Can you say it in the room? I am. And if you believe that, and if you believe Jesus who said it, he's trying to give you an object lesson that you can put, that you can apply daily. But daily. And you can realize when things start to get deep and heavy, you can look at the birds and say, God is for me. He is with me. He's aware of me. He takes care of the birds. How much more will he take care of me? And he will. And he does. That's what God does. Then Matthew 6, 27, the very next verse, Jesus says this, which is a common sense statement. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour 
to your life. He says a common statement. He says, if you don't want to look at the birds there, if you don't want to trust God, then I'm going to, I'm going to put it against that and say, well, what, what, what good does worry do you? Can you add a single moment to your life? A single hour to your life? Does it do anything for you? And I wrote this this morning. I said, no, but it can rob you of your time. Because when you worry, you can lose a lot of time on that. Then Matthew 6, 31 through 32, Jesus goes on a little bit further. And he says this. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? And then he gives kind of a, it's, it's not a shot, but it feels like it. An audience of people that are trusting, that are learning to trust him, he makes this statement. For the pagans, they run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. He says, the people that do not believe that God even exists, the people that worship idols that are made out of metals that have no soul in them, no life in them, cannot even move. He says, they worry about these things. They run after these things. He said, it can't be for you. So Christian, Oak Bridge, this is a time period we don't want to be like a pagan. People that, that have no belief in God. We want to follow what Jesus says. We don't have to run after those things. We can trust that our God knows what we need, and during this crisis, he will supply it. It may be at the last second. He may fix this problem over time. But he'll take care of it, and he's in control, and you don't have to worry about it. You can fear it, but you don't have to worry about it. You can lay it in the lap of Jesus as you look at the birds of the air. He knows what you need, and worry doesn't have to be part of it. So now, as I'm reading this, I stop and go, okay. So there's always two things worn for my attention, my devotion. And my devotion will, will uh, determine a lot of it, my emotion. And I don't want to worry about anything. So then Jesus gives me this word picture of my value. Much more than the sparrows in the air. Now we know it's greater than that. We know it's worth Jesus. That's how valuable we are to God. And then he goes on and he says, so... I know what you need, so stop worrying. Then he gives the answer of how you can stop worrying, of what you need to focus on, what you need to be devoted to, where your devotion has to go. So when somebody says, hey, the coronavirus has got this many numbers, where do you go with that? What do you do with that? How do you respond to that? If somebody came up to Jesus and said, but here's my problem, what do you do with that? And Jesus says, I'm gonna give you a step to take that you should always take every time and it never fails. This is the right step if you wanna win over worry. And here's what he says, verse 33, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So he makes the statement, Take your eyes off the problem and put your eyes on the problem solver. Take your eyes on, off the impossibility and turn to the one who has no impossibility. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. What's that mean? You said a prayer. Certainly if you're a Catholic, you said this prayer, but it's, it's a prayer that's known over and over again. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Bring this down. So what's the will of God? 
And the will of God is simply this, to love him first and foremost, to trust him first and foremost in every situation. And I don't know what set of cards you've been dealt during this, but God says it's the same for you. I want you to trust me, and I want you to love me. And by loving me, it's through trusting me. And then I want you to love your neighbor well through this, and I want you to love yourself well through this. This is an opportunity right now for all of us to say, God, we're gonna trust you fully. There's no place else to turn. Scientists don't know everything. Doctors don't know everything right now. We've never seen this. But you are not surprised by anything. I don't know how many plagues God's been through, but I know it's many. And he's seen people through, and we can read stories. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things, the things we know we need, will be given to us as well. And worry doesn't have to be part of the picture. That's, that's, that's the first thing. Love people. That's how we do it. You bring the kingdom down by loving one another, which is exactly what he said. How can you love your family more during this time period? I, just in the few short days we've been in, involved in this kind of staying at home thing, I've seen more families out walking and sharing than I've seen. I can't put a time on it. I've never seen this many people do it. And I know as the weather gets warmer, I'll see more of it. And I think it will be something that exactly so many families needed, so many people needed to rebalance their perspective. While I hate this coronavirus, I'm going to love the result of what it does for the love factor in many families in many communities. I've seen churches respond out of faith, not fear or worry. We're listening to the ground. Oak Bridge is listening right now to the ground to see how we can help our community. We're in touch with some other pastors to say, what needs to be, need to be met? Do, do meals need to be delivered to children? We're listening for that. And I may put out that call to many of you if that comes to that point. But it won't be out of worry. It will be out of taking a step that God provides that he leads us into. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you. So the question really during this time period is, if God's gonna take care of those needs that he knows we need, then it's really about how do we bring his kingdom down? And it's through love. That's the question that should be on everybody's mind. How can I love God more today? How can I love my neighbor my wife, my kids, my family, my friends, my coworkers, my neighbors, more during this time period? How can I love myself? How can I rest more? How can I take advantage of some time and maybe enrich myself by reading some, some things about God, by making a phone call or writing a letter that maybe I never had time for before? I love at Oak Bridge City what they're doing. They have a list of five or six things you can do during this time period. You can go to Oak Bridge City uh, their, their Instagram page and see what they're doing. It's phenomenal. But we're not the only churches doing it. So why this coronavirus, again, I say again, is not good. I wish we didn't have to go through it. I think it's going to be so good for so many of us that bring the kingdom down and get it down back into our lives and our families again. How can I love people? How can I share the tra truth and grace of Jesus? Last week online, many of you want to know, we had over 1,000 people watching at different spots. I don't know how many people that represented. I don't know how many people are watching at your screen. But we have the capability of, of, of reaching so many more than just actually in person. I hope you continue to invite people to watch online as we go through this together. 
as I get ready to close, I want you to trust God. Not with the what-ifs, because that leads to worry. Well, what if, what if? But with the even-ifs. Even if you fill in what it is, we can trust God. We don't have to worry. We can bring the kingdom down. We can love well. We don't have to hoard. We can be generous. We can trust that God resupplies us. We can see the hand of God as he works through the people that are, that are relying on him, trusting in him. You can feel it in your own heart. That's what I would encourage you to do at this time. Planning for tomorrow, by the way, is time well spent. Worrying for tomorrow is time wasted. It'll get you nowhere. I can say that's just about what Jesus said. About three paragraphs. Be devoted to him. And as you're devoted to him, worry doesn't have to be part of your life. Put him tops. And if you put him tops, you'll love your children more. You'll love your spouse, your friends, and your family more. If you put him tops, you'll serve your community more. You'll have better self-esteem. You'll feel better about life, even in spite of what's going on around. So I'm going to say a word of prayer and give you a moment to pray. Father, I want you to hear the prayers of those of us in this room. Father, I thank you for all you've done. I praise you for all you're going to do. I thank you that Jesus wrote this 2,000 years ago. He doesn't want us to worry. He's in control. He's aware of things that are happening. And even though some things are meant possibly to harm us, Jesus can take everything that's meant to hurt us and can turn it around and turn it into a thing that eventually we're thankful for. God, I pray for those that are sick, that have been stricken by this virus. I pray that you help them and guide them through this time period. Dear God, I pray that we understand that we can trust you in life and we can trust you in death. Got our hopes in you. May we reread Matthew's, his words in chapter 6 again and again. May we look at the birds of the air and may they have a different, may they have a different impact on us than they've ever had before, at least certainly during this time period. When we see a bird, dear God, may we call to mind how much you love us. May we be reminded of that. God, I pray for the person who's just in the midst of worry that this frees them from it. Father, we thank you for all you've done and we sing this closing song, this anthem to your son. May you touch our hearts. May you lift our burden. May we leave it at Calvary. It is in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen.